When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Mitchell Kaplan, and this is The Literary Life. When someone says to you, I'm a sucker for decalages, you know you're in the presence of a book lover and a reader. And there's no one I know who is more of both than Connie Ogle. She's the former book editor and film reviewer for the Miami Herald, who now writes on all kinds of cultural issues for the paper. She established and moderates an online forum called Readers with Attitude. She reads over 150 books a year, and there's no one better to inaugurate a brand new feature of the literary life, a new feature that I'm very simply calling, What Are You Reading?, Connie Ogle, what are you reading? Well, I just finished Claire Vay Watkins' novel, I Love You, But I've Chosen Darkness. And this is one of those books, um, when you finish it, you really don't know where to go next because it just leaves such a tremendous, um, I don't even know what the word is. It's only, it leaves you with a book hangover. You know, you can't really focus on anything else. I've been wandering around my house all morning trying to pick the next book to read. She wrote a collection of stories called Battleborn, which um, was one, that was her first collection or actually her first book. And I read that years ago and, and the stories were, I thought were great. I did not read her second book. This is her third. Um, and it's, the jacket cover is gorgeous. It's got a great title. And it's really about a young woman who is really trying to figure out her life, but she's left her husband and small daughter or baby daughter. and to go back to the desert she came from. And it's, you could call it autofiction because the character is named Claire Bay Watkins. There are a lot of similarities uh, in, the, in the past. Um, Claire Bay Watkins is of course the daughter of Paul Watkins who was the right-hand man for Charles Manson. He used to procure young girls for Charles Manson. And the character is also the daughter of Paul Watkins. So there's a lot of similarities, uh, but what she does with this blend of fiction and autobiography is just it's really tremendous well yeah so i'm going to take it off my shelf and <laughs> be one of the next ones i'm going to read um you talked about <clears throat> walking around your house trying to figure out just what your next your next book is is going to be why don't you talk a little bit about the way you approach your prolific reading um schedule how do you i mean you read more than anyone that i know and um so when you're thinking about picking your next book what do you do well i'm kind of like a 
you know, <laughs> I guess you could say I'm kind of like a raven. I'm very distracted by shiny objects. So <laughs> if someone in the Facebook book group, uh, Miami Herald Books, suggests something that looks good, I'll run out and get that or, or download it from the library or, you know. So what happens is books pile up around my house because then I buy a bunch of books and then the ones I bought, I don't get to. But I've been trying to be better about reading stuff as I buy it. Um, but I do have an entire bookshelf in my house that's all stuff I haven't read. And I go and stand in front of it and then I gravitate back to the newer stuff, which is, uh, is, a, is a problem because there's a lot of good books on that shelf that I just haven't, haven't managed to get to yet. Um, yeah, no, I'm surrounded by thousands of them every day that I keep. And, and my problem is that I bring them home thinking I'm going to read them at some point. And before I know it, I'm, I probably have to live to about 190 if I was going to read all the books that I've piled up that I want to be reading. Um, talk about that group, the Facebook group that you run. It's so lively and, and people are so devoted to it. Talk a little bit about it. We started Miami Herald Books years ago. I can't even tell you how many, maybe seven, something like that, eight, nine. Um, and the original idea was to engage people with my reviews, which of course now I'm no longer the book editor at the Herald. Um, but this thing has sort of taken on a life of its own. And I think the key to it is uh, we don't all read the same books, so there's no pressure to read, you know, and everyone is allowed to post. The only thing we don't allow is people are not allowed to come on it and try to get you to read their own book because that becomes a marketing thing that is very, very boring. But anybody who's part of the group, if they've read something good and it, it can be anything, it can be fiction, nonfiction, romance, poetry. We don't, you know, we don't discriminate. Um, you can talk about anything. You can post book related memes. You can post book related links. And I think the, that's what makes it work there's no pressure to read a certain book. You know, you don't have to have such and such and such book read by the end of, you know, this particular point in time. Um, and it's, it's become a lot of fun. It's, it's, you know, I have to, I have to work at it, but it, it does become fun and people do like to participate. It's, it's the conversation that, you know, every book lover has with other book lovers. There are some authors and we have some um, publicists who are part of it who are, who provide a really interesting perspective uh, into the book world. A lot of what we talk about is, you know, gossip that's going on in the book world. And, you know, lately it's been, you know, did Random House cancel Norman Mailer? Um, and people are just interested in that stuff. And it, we have a lot of fun conversations. And I, I get a ton of great recommendations from that, uh, from that group. And that, again, it's kind of the joke is it's, it's ruined all of us because our to-be-read piles are so huge now, you know, because there's always, every day there's someone going on, hey, I just read this, this was great, you guys should read it. Yeah, I mean, the, the dirty little secret that we all know is there are so many books published every year that we do need these guides. And, you know, your, uh, your group provides that guide, you know, through the, you know, through the discussion that, that begins to ensue over a particular title. So what did you choose when you walked around your house? I, I, don't, have, I don't have anything picked out yet. I'm eyeing uh, the love songs of W.E. Dubois. Yeah, that's one that I took home as well. I haven't read it yet either. 
it's a books. beautiful physical book. It's just got the deco. I'm a sucker for deco edges, you know, and it's just a physically gorgeous book. So I'm, I keep eyeing it and I look at the length of it. I'm like, am I ready to commit to that? Um, I don't know, but I think that's the one I'm gonna gonna go with next. Well, and you read primarily fiction, right? Is yeah, I, I am. I've, I was real bad about nonfiction uh, last year. I usually read more of it, and I'm going to try to read more uh, this year. One of the books I really want to read is the book about the Sacklers, Empire of Pain. Right. And I have not managed to get to it yet. And I, I read the author's book, Say Nothing, and loved it. So I, I'm sure it's going to be very interesting. I just haven't managed to, to bust it open yet. Well, the bad news for you is that um, um, Raiden Keefe has a new book coming out. <laughs> well, it's, it's called Rogues, which looks really, really good. So you may get backed up a little bit. He's such a great writer and so much fun to read. And, and he tackles large, these large subjects that in many ways are tragic. I mean, the Sackler book just infuriated me. Between that and watching the series Dope Sick, I just was, you know, uh, daggers flew out of my eyes whenever I'd hear their names. But... Um, well, Say Nothing, his book Say Nothing led me down a path. And of course, it led me to a sort of a wide variety of things because I'm very interested in that. The, I should say Say Nothing is about the troubles in Ireland uh, and various things that happened there. And it led me to a novel called Milkman, which right. I forget what the author's name is. I'm, I don't remember it right now, but uh, she she wrote a novel set during that time. And so I, I listened to that on audio and that was fascinating. And then someone on the books group suggested a series of detective novels by Adrian McKinty, the Sean Duffy novels. And they're set in Ireland in the early 80s, and they're phenomenal. They're, they're, I, I can't get enough of them, and there's only six. So I'm not reading the last two. I'm kind of, you know, keeping them for when I, you know, really need something I know is going to be good. Uh, but well, it's well, well, to all these things. Yeah, and then you could go to Kevin Barry as well for something kind of not completely during that time period, I don't think, but he covers some similar territory. I like his work a lot. So let's talk about, you know, we're just dawning on this 2022, but talk about, you know, some of the books that you read last year that stand out in your mind. Um, it's, you know, everybody always wants to pick a, you know, you pick one book and of course that's impossible. Uh, I made everybody in the books group do it just to be ornery, but uh, I loved um, The Sentence, Louise Erdrich's The Sentence. Um, which is a very much a 2020 novel. Uh, it's also a ghost story set in a bookstore. So that part is kind of delightful. And then, but she manages to make it work with this story about what happened in Minneapolis in 2020, which is the pandemic, George Floyd, protests. Uh, it's a very topical book, but it also is a wonderful story. I was also a big fan of um, the final revival of Opal and Nev by Donnie Walton, which is about a, a uh, rock duo in the 70s and there's a riot at one of their concerts, a race riot at one of their concert and it, concerts and it's sort of about the fallout from that from that time to to now and I could not get enough of that book I, I could have kept reading that book it was it was just really really well done and and fascinating especially if you like music 
um, which I, of course I do. Uh, some other stuff I liked would be, let's see what else was good. I really enjoyed a book called Open Water. It just mm -hmm. won the Costa Prize for best first novel. The author's name is eluding me. It's, I think it's Caleb something. It's, it's his first book. And it's a short book and it's just absolutely beautifully written. It's very romantic and it's about a young couple. Uh, they're young artists in London. They're black. And this, this plays a part in it because the book is really about male vulnerability and how, how dangerous it is for a young black man to show any vulnerability. And, and this sort of filters over into his romantic life. And it, it's a beautiful book and I was so pleased to see it, it won an award. I'll be really curious to see what, what this author does next. It's Caleb Nelson. And I believe he's from Nigeria, I believe. No, or Ghana, he might be Ghanaian. I think and he's- then, And it all takes place in London. I read it as well. And I felt the same way you did. Some people don't like to read about younger people because they can't relate to it. But I, for me, reading a book like Open Water or even the Sally Rooney book, uh, uh, Beautiful World, Where Are You? It's like looking at the lifestyles of people who live on a different planet. That's how much older I am now. It's, but it's really interesting to me because people in their 20s look at their life differently than I do. And I think that's, I find that interesting. Um, so I, I did enjoy that. You know what? Another book I loved from last year is Matrix by Lauren Groff. Wow. I mean, I've been a fan of hers forever, but Matrix might be my favorite book of hers. Did you read a book called How Beautiful We Were, Mbolo Mabue? I might be pronouncing that incorrectly. I have it. I brought it home because it was. It ended up on a lot of the best of uh, lists at the end of the year. And I want, did you read it? Yeah, it's, it's so good. And it was one of those ones, I read it because it came out early in the year. Sometimes I feel like by the time you get to the end of the year, you forget about the books you read earlier. But it's, I mean, it's stunning. It's heartbreaking. And it's about the death of this village. Uh, that's basically being poisoned by a corporation. So if you need, you know, an upbeat, sunny read, this is probably not the book to read, but it's so beautifully written. Um, I, I've been trying to push that on people lately too. Talk a little bit, if you could, um, about what you do when you set out in a new year. Do you kind of map your reading strategy I used to do that. I used to, uh, I used to do a, I find one of those book challenges online and I always had fun doing that. I enjoyed that. You know, they would be like, read one book with the color green in the title or read a sci-fi book, which is always hard for me because sci-fi was not, is not really my strong point. Although I actually read a sci-fi series this past year that I liked very much. So go figure. You know, anything's, anything is possible. If you can get which me one, which sci-fi series, Martha Wells, Murderbot series. And I was hand sold the first book at a bookstore in Helena, Montana, by a very, very passionate bookseller who loved these books and said, it doesn't matter if you're a sci-fi fan, you will like these books. And she was 100% correct. Um, and I could not wait to get my hands on all of them. And I've read four, I think there's six books in all, but the, the, court, the main quartet I've read. Um, anyway, I'm digressing 100%. But I think that proves that now, now I don't really set a pattern. I think, okay, I'm gonna read, you know, I'm gonna read more nonfiction, it's more general. Um, I keep telling myself I'm gonna read Moby Dick. This is gonna be the year I get my white whale, but I, I'm, you know, 
we may be talking a year from now and I still haven't seen it. I haven't seen the first page, but um, so I sort of set general goals, but then I let, I let myself be sold books by, you know, booksellers and I let myself be influenced by people in the group. If, if there's something everyone is loving or, or people I trust uh, recommend things to me, I try to be flexible enough to, to read as widely as I can. Um, How many books did you read last year? I read 121, and that includes audiobooks. But that's everything. That's remarkable. That's really... Um, well, Mitchell, about... remember, we had the first half of the... Well, not the first half, but the first quarter of the year, you know, we were still all at home, not going anywhere. So I had a lot of time on my hands. Yeah, but you've been doing that year in and year out. You've been very prolific in the way that you read. Um, did you come across uh, Bewilderment? Did you read that at all? I did, I did read Bewilderment, and I, I liked it very much. It was, it was almost too sad to bear. Yeah, it slayed me at the end. I mean, you know, as a father of two sons, uh, the father-son story um, really, really uh, captured me. But I also have to say, you know, Flowers for Algernon, for me, was one of my early, early, early reading experience that, that, you know, I cried and I was shaken and it, I think I was in middle school, you know, and it really yeah. showed me what the power of, what the power of words could really do. I'm a little embarrassed how far I was into bewilderment before I realized this is flowers for Algernon, you know, what, you know, and told in a different, different way. Um, the language in that book is gorgeous. I, I have not read The Overstory. That's also one of the books that's on my list to read this year, his book, The Overstory, because so many people in the group love it. A lot of people uh, don't, So I'm, which actually makes it more interesting to me because now I want to know what side of that divide I fall on. Now, one of the things that I, that I just got hooked into is I read um, Paul Auster's Burning Boy, the story of Stephen Crane. And um, it's a fantastic book. It's 800 pages. And half of it is, is biography of Crane. And the other half is a fascinating um, look at how a writer reads. Do you know what I mean? Because he basically takes each of the stories and he explicates the stories. And he kind of tells you why he thinks these stories are so strong. So I'm kind of kind of going through the book again, and then I'm discovering Stephen Crane in ways that I, I, I never did. I mean, I did not, I, I was not one of those who had a remarkable teacher who made Red Badge of Courage come alive for me. So it was something I sort of had to get through, but I have a renewed interest in him now. Uh, I'm finding that, that that's actually a kind of interesting way of approaching nonfiction fiction is to read a biography of an author and then slowly kind of go through, you know, their, you know, all of the books that they've written. I was going to ask you, and you, you answered with one book here, but what are some of the, the nonfiction books you've read that you would recommend to me? Well, I've been going, you know, I, I, I like you used to do, and you may still do it, but I read a lot of galleys these days of books that are, maybe just coming out now. And I've gone down the, the political rabbit hole probably way more than I should. So I've, I've kind of rediscovered 
things by people like Heather Cox Richardson, who wrote a book called How the South Won the Civil War, which is all about reconstruction and gives you an amazing, at least gave me an amazing sense of history of that period that I never had. Uh, you know, I, I just had never encountered it before. Um, I also uh, started reading Anne Applebaum, who uh, is someone that I, I never really knew much about her, except I would read some of her essays that she wrote in the Atlantic. Um, and um, her book, Twilight of Democracy, is a very scary, uh, it talks about America without really talking about America. She's talking about Eastern Europe. And then most recently, I've just read Steel, which is coming, it just came out. And Steel is a really interesting measured account of how the steel was going to happen. But what it really is, it's a heroic account of all of those people, mostly Republicans, who stood up to the intense pressure they were getting to change the outcome of the election. So that's just a whole, that's, that's one category of books that I found myself reading. Um, I then started, you know, I, I don't know, Connie, I don't know if you do this, but I, you know, I'm, I'm very nostalgic in a lot of ways. So in 1972, both conventions, the Democratic and Republican conventions were in Miami. And I was a 17 year old kid during that period. And we're coming up to the 50th anniversary of that. And so I reread Norman Mailer's St. George and the Godfather, which is about, you know, George McGovern and, and Richard Nixon. And it was the same period that uh, Hunter Thompson wrote about in uh, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail. But, but Mailer got it really right. So I'm really interested. I've been following this, this Mailer debacle uh, in publishing. What are your thoughts about it? Well, I, I think that, I don't know, and this is just sort of based on what I've been reading. I'm not sure there was actually really a big controversy. I mean, Random House decided not to publish it. Apparently there was no contract, but Michael Wolf needed people to read that story he wrote. Yeah. So my question is, hmm, you know, it's a very easy thing to inject the phrase, oh, wokeness canceled such and such. That's how you get people to hate read you. Um, so I, I have some questions <laughs> about, about the whole thing. Um, but going back to something you recommended, I have read a book by Ann Applebaum. I read, this was when I was, this was a while ago, but I read Gulag. And what led me to Gulag was Martin Amos's House of Meetings, which was a novel. Um, but I, I thought, my God, I don't really know that much about the, the gulags and what that was like and how that started. And um, for some reason, I picked up her book and it was fascinating. I've never forgotten it. And she's somebody I've always meant to go back and read some of her other stuff because she's she's a hell of a reporter. And uh, and I mean, I, if you had told me I would be fascinated by a book about gulags, I would have, you know. You, you know, I, I would have said you were reading Souls in Easton or something. Well, I was a little intimidated <laughs> by that. The, the length of that was a little scary. And, and Ann Applebaum seemed maybe an easier entree into, into it. But, um, but yeah, she's well, fantastic. 
Well, you know, she, you know, it's so interesting in terms of what our political landscape has done in terms of, you know, uh, letting people who read political stuff or who are thinking about these things, it's made for some very interesting bedfellows. And, you know, people like George Will and um, all these others who are writing about the condition of where we are now, who would have been in their own silo 10 years ago. But there's this cross-pollination that's going on that I think is really, really healthy. Um, and someone like Anne is, is a perfect example. Um, yeah, the Gulag, that's the one that really put her on the map. I think that's the one she won an award for. And it's something I think uh, I'm going to find myself going back to. You know, it's interesting when you talk about audiobooks. I often find that nonfiction for me is what works really well in audiobooks as well, more so than fiction. Because with fiction, I often have to, you know, I want to luxuriate in the writing and I go back and I look at a phrase and I look at how it's written. But nonfiction is a little bit easier for me to uh, to let go of that. And, and I, used, I used to listen to nonfiction when I had a commute. Uh, I live in Hollywood and I worked in Doral for seven years. And that's a very long drive, as anyone who lives in Miami can tell you. And I listened to a lot of nonfiction at that time. And I, I got a lot out of it. Um, but... I haven't had a commute since March 2020, and I find my needs are different as an audiobook listener when I'm walking as opposed to driving. I need when I'm walking, I need stuff that's more. I find myself listening to suspense fiction more than anything, because I, I've always been a crime novel reader. I've, that's my that's my safe space. That's my comfort read. Um, police procedurals, anything like that. I I, lo I love stuff like that, and I find that stuff works well for me as a as a walker, but I would have a very hard time listening to, I don't know, the Hamilton biography, which I listened to when I was driving, that seemed, you know, I loved it and it was great, but I don't know that I'd get through it if I was walking. I don't know why that is, just. Well, sometimes it's picking up the thread again, which is difficult, but, but when you asked me what I was reading, that was a kind of whole political uh, strain of what my reading is, but I'm also, I love reading about lives lived whether it's fiction or nonfiction, and i got a galley a book about a book that's just coming out now by katherine schultz it's called lost and found and you know among booksellers it's one of the most talked about books that i can remember in a long long time i i do like a good memoir i i i want the person to have lived through something interesting to me um and you know it I think a lot of memoirs get written that I'm not interested in, but when you get a hold of one that's good, it's really something else. What was the book? Oh, I thought I had a copy of it here. Oh, Memorial Drive. Oh, that that book blew. By me. Natasha Trethway, right? Yes, uh, she's a she's a she's a poet, and you can tell from her language. And that is just a stunning book about her mother's murder. You know, she she revisits it, and it's. It's so painful, but it's so beautifully written. And something like that really sticks with me. And, and I read, um, one of the things I read, I, I read the second one this year, I think I read the first one the year before, was Rainer Wynn's books. Um, uh, what's the, the Salt Path was the first one. And it was about how she and her husband 
they lived in England, uh, became homeless and they decided to walk the 600 mile plus path through Cornwall. Oh, that's great. An account of their, and they were actually homeless. Like they didn't have anywhere to go. So they were living in this tent as they walked this 600 mile path. And her husband had been diagnosed with this, uh, some sort of disease that was, you know, it was a chronic, going to be a chronic illness. And this was going to be their last time to do it. And I highly recommend that book. And then she did write a sequel to it um, called The Wild Silence, which was also good. Uh, but those, I, I do like memoirs when, with something like that, that's very personal and very moving. Um, well, Amy so. Bloom has one out that is just devastating. It's about, it's about her husband and his, um, you know, his dementia and assisted suicide really really rough but i, I love amy bloom but that's that is rough. yeah that's a rough one um so talk about let's talk about mysteries let's talk about something that takes us away from all of this uh <laughs> who's your new favorite who are you well i adrian mckinty who i mentioned earlier um his his i mean he's written other series but the sean duffy series I really love and the, the premise of this cop, he's a Catholic cop. So in Northern Ireland in the 80s, that means everybody hates you. The, the, the Protestant factions hate you because you're Catholic. The Catholics hate you because you're a cop. You can't win, you know, you're just, everybody is against him. He, he's trying to solve these murders that happen. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's fascinating. I also this year became acquainted with Jane Harper. Have you read any of her books? I haven't. She's an Australian writer. Uh, the, the first book is the first book I read of hers was called the dry and, uh, it's, it's a great book. It's about a, a cop who comes back to his, his best friend growing up, uh, has murdered his wife and kids and he comes back for the funeral and then decides to look into to the case to see if this is what actually happened. Um, she's only written four books, but they're all good. Um, start mm -hmm. with the dry. And she's, I can't wait for her next one. I think her, her most recent one came out last year. So maybe she's due. And then just for fun, the, the, the folks in the book group got me started on a series by a British writer named Ellie Griffiths. And the character is a forensic archeologist, which you would think, how can you keep this series going? But so far she has, and, and they're just light entertaining whodunits. And they have kept me sane through the ups and downs of the end of 2021. <laughs> um, but I like all the regular suspects too. I know Laura Lippman has a book of short stories out that I'm interested in. I will always read a Michael Connolly. And I have, I think, three books left in Ian Rankin's John Rebus series. And I am hoarding them like people hoard toilet paper. Because I, I don't want it to be over. So I only I, every few months I read another one and I've only got three left. So. That's, yeah, it's I, such a great event with him in the store. He was so, he was so lively and so funny, and he was he's really a great guy as well. Which is always, you know, when you meet a writer and and they turn out to be, you know, someone who's really pleasant and good and funny. That's that's an extra, it's an extra boon to this whole thing. One of the things I love about his books is you really feel like you know Edinburgh you know, and it's surrounding areas because he's just, he's, this, that sense of place is such a huge part of those books. And I enjoy that. It's, you know, it's armchair traveling as well as just a good, good mystery with really great characters. 
You know, Connie, you were also a, a, a film critic for a while at the Miami Herald. You've worn just about every hat at the Miami Herald. Uh, you've made it. You've you've made it a richer place over all of these years. Um, do you ever go through the process of thinking, oh, you know, this would make a great film? Sometimes, sometimes I think that. Um, but you know, you just reminded me of something I've been meaning to tell you for a while. Um, this and this happened this while well, we were all kind of on lockdown, so it was earlier in 2021. Uh, I was, as we all did, I was flipping through movies on, I believe, Netflix, and I came across a film called All the Bright Places. Oh, really? And I said, oh, that's one of Mitchell's production company films. I'm going to watch that and knew nothing about it. Mitchell, I sat on my couch and sobbed for 20 minutes after that movie was over. And I cursed you. And I cursed the moment I opened it up. It was very good. But I was unprepared for where that movie took me. I was mess but what a what a great movie I, I i mean i guess if i had you know had you know adolescent daughters they would have they would have uh, warned me or told me what was coming but uh wow anyway yeah no that was uh you know we could do a whole nother podcast about about adaptation and what that means but it was a really great experience for me and for our company you know my partner spent she might i think she'd be you know we filmed it in cleveland she could have been a uh, a resident of Ohio. She spent so much time there. If I happen to go on set a few times and watching Elle Fanning work and this young guy, uh, just uh, Justice Smith, they were just fantastic. Yeah, I had never seen him before and he was very good. Yeah, you'll see a lot of him. He's a young guy who's going to do a lot of, a lot of good stuff. Um, uh, so Connie, now that we're just coming up to 2022, what are you excited about this year? Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait to get my hands on the Jennifer Egan book. Um, I loved, I love all her work. Uh, and it's called I, The Candy Store. It's, I think that's what it's called. Um, so I can't wait to get hold, a hold of that. Uh, I just think she's a, she's a terrific writer. And I like to visit, what was it? A visit from the Goon Squad, um, which I guess this is kind of a sequel to. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy about that. I'm I'm very excited about Douglas Stewart's new book, which comes out, I believe, in April. Young Mungo. He's the guy that wrote Shuggy Bane, which is another book I love. Heartbreaker, but but just just a great great. Our novel. buyer Gael, our head buyer, just I think they've become friends. He, he she discovered Shuggy Bane, you know, when she read it in a manuscript, and just kept talking about it and talking about it, and then it emerged into such a favorite of everybody's. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's kind of amazing, isn't he? Yeah, and he, he it, it, it's, there's a lot of autobiographical elements in that novel as well, um, but it's still a novel. And I, I'm fascinated by that, the way people use their lives to tell these stories. And, but it, they're fictional, but it's, they have personal experience with some of this. I think that's why I'm drawn to his novel. He's also a really good writer. Uh, just a just a terrific writer. I remember watching, I believe books, uh, no, it was the Miami Book Fair the, the year before last when everything was online. I watched a conversation with Douglas Stewart and he was he was so interesting. And um, the author who wrote, uh, oh boy, what's his name? Gerard, 
I'm blanking out on his name. But anyway, the, the interviewer asked him uh, a lot of questions about the book. And he, he said, this really strikes me as a 19th century novel. And I think he was right. And I had never thought of it that way before. But Shuggy Bane is really something else. So I'm, I have high hopes for this new book. What are you looking forward to? Well, I'm looking forward to Hernan uh, Diaz's Trust. Yes. Um, that looks really, I mean, it's the kind of big, meaty novel that I often... I often love getting lost in, um, you know, it's kind of, a, I, th I think it's about the 1920s, but it brings it up, you know, into contemporary times. A novel that I read that was also kind of like that was The Lincoln Highway by Amor Tolls. I don't know if you read it, but I, I just loved it because it took me into that period of uh, the 40s and a lot of different, the 50s and a lot of different sort of uh, areas of the United States. And it was a really great story as well. But Hernan, uh, this comes, this comes, you know, a lot of people have recommended it. And I look forward to that. Another one are, you know, close to home, you know, uh, Diana Abu Jabber's uh, book is one, um, Fencing with the King. Uh, it's one that I've actually already read. I read it in a galley, and it's really, really good. It takes place in Jordan. Uh, a young Jordanian-American girl uh, is, goes over to, to, to travel with her father to Jordan for the very first time, and she um, encounters her Jordanian family. And it's just, you know, again one of those books that jerks me out of where I am and plops me down into a man, you know? You know, that's the beauty of writing that it is able to do that. And then a, a writer that I've been following for a long time, Alex Sugura has Secret Identity out. And Alex, Alex is a comics guy and uh, he's done a really great job of writing a novel in which he takes a young Cuban a, a woman who uh, is involved in comics in the 80s and turns it into a murder mystery. Uh, and it's really quite good as well. Well, Alex is a, Alex, well, both Diana and Alex are friends of mine, but Alex used to write reviews of graphic novels for me when I was the book editor. Oh, really? Yeah, he used to work, he used to work with us. He was so good and he's, what he's done with his career is really, really quite something. I'm looking forward to Secret Identity too, because Alex is, he's a, he's a good mystery writer. And I'm really curious to see what he does. Um, he's, he of course wrote the Pete Fernandez series, which is, which is a lot of fun. Uh, but this is a little bit different for him and he's kind of blending both his uh, his worlds, you know, he's got the comics world and the mystery world. He's kind of blending it in this novel. I'm real eager to read it. You know, we're really lucky down here in South Florida. We have, even though Alex lives in New York, but we have a really vibrant community, a vibrant literary community of writers, wouldn't you say? I would agree. And we have some of the best. I mean, who's better than Edwige Danticat? Oh, the last collection of short stories I read was amazing. In fact, this was a year of short stories for me. Uh, I, do you know, did you discover Dantiel Moniz at all? Yes. Uh, um, no, I always get it. I always confuse the title, but it's like Milk, Blood, Heat. Milk, Blood, Heat. Milk, Blood, Heat. Yeah. yeah, very good. Very good. You know what and, else? You know what else? What's that? You know what else was a, an excellent book of short stories was Land of Big Numbers. 
Did you read that? No, I didn't. Oh, really, really good. Most of them are set in China. And again, it's a window on a sort of life that's very different than the lives we lead, you know? And it's really about freedom. And these stories are about freedom and how people define it, especially in a country like China, where your, your freedom is a very, very much an illusion, you know? So much is controlled by the government and you can do this and you can't do that. Um, great stories though, great stories. But there, there were a lot of good stories this year. I, I just read, um, uh, what was it, Filthy Animals? By Brandon yeah. Taylor, which was which was good. It's, there's a lot of sex in it, though. I'm going to warn everybody out there: if you get the vapors <laughs> about that, don't don't read that book. But I, I enjoyed it a lot. It was it was well done. Connie, I could talk to you all day about all of this, and we should do it again really, really soon. Uh, Connie, I thank you for being on the Literary Life. This is such a kick, and uh, you know we'll be seeing each other soon. I'm sure. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. 